to update my laptop. Oh, it's on. Okay, you can start. Okay, we're back. Yeah, welcome back to another episode of Technical Difficulties. Bam, bam. Yeah. Yeah. I got very chumming about it there at the end. Oh my god. Oh yeah, if you guys listened to last week, strap in gang, it's a double record. Loop de loop, baby. Uh welcome back to Oddities. I'm Cassie. I'm Anna. And I fucking forgot to say welcome back to Strange Town last time. Mother Oh. Fucker. Damn. Welcome it. back to Strange Town. Population y'all, bro. And for sure us, because it's 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 going that well for us. It's going point. strange. Yes, it is. That's what we do. So, That's um, it. yes, uh, you know, yes. social media, Patreon, and merch all linked in our description. Yes. So, that's, that's right. It. We love it. We'd love to see it. And how are you? What did you save to talk about for this week? Because this okay. is a double, a double recording. And I opened my notes. Yes. So, I saw a trailer for an A24 movie. I can't even remember if I talked about this already. I don't think the- so. Also, what's A24? A24 is a production company. They've oh. made, like, Midsommar. <clears throat> They've made oh, okay. Moonlight. If I have talked about this, you're all welcome. But Here we go. It's a horror movie, and it's called Men. And the trailer looks brilliant. Men? Yeah. Boys. <laughs> What the hell? The diva was, came out. That was Britney Spears. She just, oh, yeah. She oh, no. For a second. <laughs> yeah. And now she's gone again. Bye, Brit. Bye. See ya. <laughs> okay. Interesting. It looks yeah, good. Yeah, and it, it looks so good. But I have been watching Abbott Elementary on Hulu. Okay. It's delightful. Oh, is it? Oh, good. We love a happy, a happy show. <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's so genius and it's created by a girl, a woman. I don't, I don't like when I use the word girl. It's created by uh, a woman that I used to watch on this show a really long time ago. And now she's creating her own show. And it's just like, that's oh, cool. very exciting. Good but for her. it's, and it's about like basically an under, like an underprivileged school in Philly. Oh, okay. And it's the teachers. And it's like a mockumentary. It's like The Office. So they're like following these teachers around. And it is so good. And it's, she came up with the idea because that was like what her mom did. Oh. So it was, it was really, I don't know. I don't think underprivileged is the right word there. What was the right word? Um... I don't know because I'm still fucked up from recording last episode. Yeah. What? Anyway. Uh, also, <clears throat> also because you said girl, but woman. Then I started saying, "I'm not a girl." Yeah. You know. Okay. Yeah, and now yeah, that's yeah. going on in my head too. <laughs> but I realize that the word is not underprivileged, and that's a fucked up word. I can't think of the right word. That's that's. And yeah. I'm sorry. But you you guys know what I mean, and I don't I don't mean any like harm by it. We're starting of off real hot that. here. We're coming in hot. All right. So so it's a good show, though. But it's it's very, very good. Great. And it's, yeah, and it's so fun. And it's really nice. 
And it's a great show. And I, I hope it gets renewed for a second season because it's very enjoyable and we should support women creators, especially black women creators. We should. Snaps. So, snaps. And that's me. And I talked about Love is Blind last week, so we know all about that. Okay. How are you? How am I? Well, I talked about most of my things last week, so here's an update. <laughs> In between recording, I put on my new robe from Corey, and it's... So So you guys can picture what... <laughs> What I'm sitting here in while we're about to discuss very dark things. I'm wearing oh, a yeah. pink fluffy robe with black hearts on it. <laughs> it looks so comfy cozy. It is so comfy cozy. Um, oh, and we watched a movie last night called Countdown. It's on Netflix. And uh-huh. it, it was actually pretty decent until like the end and then it got really stupid. But I will admit there were a few jump scares in there that got me they got me real good and I was glad Ooh. that I wasn't eating because I have this here's a new fear for you uh, and okay. actually two because I don't know if I've touched on this other one. My fear is that I'll be eating something and watching yeah. a scary movie and then I will choke and die. So specific. The other fear and I think I've talked about this is that I will spontaneously develop like an allergy to something I'm eating and then I'll die. You know, wow. like shellfish. Like, yeah, my whole yeah. life, you know, like I love shrimp and shit. And then, like, I sit down at Red Lobster or something, and I and I get shrimp, yeah. and then I die. Yeah. <clears throat> so there you have it. Th- those are two new fears, everybody. I will say, especially living alone, choking is a real fear. A spookala bookala. Like that's no joke. I have several plans on what to do if I were to choke. Do you really? Because I don't have any, and I'm here alone. Like you know 80% of the day so oh what do you, I what would you do I'm gonna slam my body into the back of a chair yeah I think that's what you're supposed to do I think like, so. I'm concerned that my chairs aren't a, the, the appropriate height <laughs> oh yeah I'm also concerned that like <clears throat> I I'm gonna do it and just like break a rib and not do anything about the thing that's lodged in me yeah well you might break a rib but that's like part of the whole you know, the whole experience for most people. So. Oh, sure. Hashtag joking. <laughs> the fucking experience. It just the feels experience. like I, that. I don't. I've been home alone and have gotten something stuck in my throat. And I'm just leaning over. Because you know when you get something stuck in your throat and your eyes start to water? Or yes. like you're coughing. It, yes. All of a sudden, like, I'm coughing and I'm like, it, it's over. And I'm like, I feel horrible. Yes. It's yes. such a scary experience. One time when I was a kid, we, we went to like a Chinese restaurant and I was choking on a piece of beef and my parents were just staring at me. And so I had to reach in my mouth and pull the beef out of my mouth. Oh my God. I was like five. But that's... Thanks, mom and dad. It's a, But it's like that fight or flight thing where like I've seen my nephews or my niece like doing something and I'm like, are you all right? And you just, like, mm-hmm. don't know what to do. My, oh, my God. I watched my sister. I think it was my niece. She hit, put a huge piece of apple in her mouth. She was mm-hmm. like, eh, and she made, like, one noise. And my sister knew and just, like, yeah. shoved her hand in there and got it out. It was seconds. My sister was like, it felt like a lifetime. <laughs> oh, my, my what was that? just flashed. That was spooky. Spooky. But it it felt, my sister, she moved so fast, and she was like, it felt like a lifetime. I was like, sure, your kid is choking. Right, but lightning quick reflexes, so well done you. 
And instantly my niece is like, oh, and goes to grab it again. We were like, no, 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 we're cutting it. <laughs> Fucking no. <laughs> Jesus. Wow. Uh, oh, but speaking of Netflix horror movies, I saw the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That new movie's out. And of course, Netflix oh was like, want to watch this? And I was like, I mean, I don't not want to watch it. Did you watch it? How bad was no, it? I didn't watch oh. it. I was watching Abbott Elementary instead. <laughs> Maybe we'll watch it tonight. I'll let you know. Yeah, because I am vaguely interested in it. Yeah. Um, oh, and I think that tonight's the finale of Euphoria. Season two oh, of Euphoria. Wow. Okay. Just thought of it because it's Sunday. We're going to have a busy Sunday, everybody. That's right. Oh, yeah, because I'm, I'm also going to see my my nephew play hockey, which I'm very excited about. Woohoo! That's going to be fun. Oh, yeah, he's just a regular old Wayne Gretzky. We love to see it. We do. Anyway, we got a real dark episode for you guys. If you guys listened last week, it's not any better this week. It's not. It's it's equally dark, and we're going to be even more fucked up probably by the end of this. So Great. And then I'm going to go see children play hockey. And then we're going to... Yeah, that's right. So, um, and I'm going to scrapbook. <laughs> Which that feels right, you know? In this robe, it feels 100% right. Yeah, big time. <laughs> All right. Um, I went first last time. Do you want to go first this time? Sure. You like how I actually remembered this time around who went first? I know, because sometimes even when we do back-to-back, we do we not remember. remember. I know. I think, like, I guarantee we black out while we're recording this, pretty much. Like, it just... I I swear to God, that's what happens. Yep. Absolutely. And it's not because I'm nervous, and I don't think you're nervous anymore. No. I used to be. I think you used to be, too, right? We mm, talked about big this. Big time. And now it's just like, I think we just, like, black out. I don't I, know. I just forget. And when... <clears throat> And I know that happens because when I edit the episodes, I'm like, I don't remember that I said this. That's exactly right. Like, I'm like, I don't remember this conversation. Might as well be new. Yeah. (laughs) Surprise. Surprise. We're listening to it new, too. Okay. Hit us. So I'm doing the story of the Candyman. The Candyman. Man can. So on an episode a long time ago, I'm pretty sure I talked about the new Candyman movie, which was directed by Nia DaCosta, and how brilliant yes. it was. Yes. So I want to dig into it, because I know it's based on something. I just didn't know what it was based on. Oh, did you find it? I did. So strap oh in, gang. Here we go. Click. That's my seatbelt. Click, click. So if you guys don't know, if you haven't seen either the new one or the old one, the movie is located in Chicago's Cabrini Green housing project, which is a real place and has oh. a shitload of controversy around it, which I'll get to. The character of Candyman is the ghost of David Robitaille. I think it's French. He's a wrongfully accused slave who was lynched, mutilated, and given a terrifying hook for a hand before his murder and now appears when you summon his name five times in the mirror. That's Jesus the story Christ. from the movie. Okay. So, but the character is pure fiction, but that's kind of a convincing story. Yeah. We're oh, fucked up enough that that could be real. Well, yeah, because when you first said it, I was like, holy shit, because I believed it. And I was like, damn, yeah. that sounds about right. So, yeah. yeah. So, here we go. Just try and be better, gang. That's really all we're asking. If the bar's yeah. set so low. It is It is literally the lowest. Like, <laughs> So, his origins are that a 
Candyman was invented by a legendary British horror writer, Clive Barker, who made up the story in a 1985 novella before another British guy, Bernard Rose, adapted, wrote, and directed the 1992 film. Okay. So the film turned Barker's story basically into an exploration of generational trauma and racial injustice. Okay. In a 2015 interview, Rose recalled that the Illinois Film Commission originally suggested Cabrini Green as a potential film location. It also fictionalized. So when he got to Cabrini Green, he realized that a real-life murder took place there or took place in a Chicago public housing project not far from Cabrini Green. So he got the idea to flesh out Candyman from this real-life murder. Oh, okay. Originally, Chicago's public housing projects had been envisioned as like a progressive community spread throughout the city. But as these things happen, it didn't work out that way. It immediately fell victim to racism. The city council flatly refused to allow public housing projects in white neighborhoods, forcing them to be wedged into inner city black neighborhoods instead. So Mm. here we go. Here we go. Okay. This facilitated a huge high-rise in crime, and the housing authorities abandoned the maintenance of the neighborhoods. Tight. Thanks. Excellent. Very helpful. The, yeah, yep. that, was, that yep. was a great move, gang. Good, good idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So here's the crime that he wraps into the story of Candyman. On the 22nd of April, 1987, Ruth, Ruthie Mae McCoy, a 52-year-old grandmother who lived in another housing project, called 911 to report that someone was breaking into her apartment through the medicine cabinet. Oh? The 911 dispatchers, apparently struggling to understand her story, reported it to as a police disturbance rather than a break-in. After more neighbors called 911 to report hearing gunshots, the police turned up, knocked on McCoy's door, and left without entering. What? All right, I will say this. I probably would have been confused as the dispatcher, too. Like, someone's breaking in through your medicine cabinet? But they're just like, oh, it was a disturbance. The cops get there. It was a disturbance. Yeah, and then they don't do anything. And and now other people have called reporting hearing gunshots. And the cops are like, she's probably fine. Leaves. Once again, though, like, I'm not surprised. Right. Yeah. So her body was discovered two days later. She'd been shot four times. Four times. Oh, man. When two suspects were apprehended and prosecuted three years later, both men were ultimately acquitted. Oh, my God. Here we go again. Here we fucking go. Yeah. McCoy's surviving brother was quoted as saying, quote, Judgment does not proceed the way that it should. If that had been a white woman had been killed like that with two black guys charged, they would have been convicted. If that would have been a white woman that called police like my sister did, you know they would have gone into her apartment. You know it. This whole system we're living in is corrupt, unquote. That sounds right. A thousand percent. Yeah. The same year, Chicago reporter Steve... Bogira published an incredible feat of long-form journalism with the terrifying headline, quote, they came in through the bathroom mirror, unquote. Through the, what is, okay, I'm just, like, very curious how, like, okay, go ahead. I guess here's my understanding of it. 
Especially okay, because we, we saw that, I don't know if you saw that like famous TikTok of the girl who was feeling cold air and then opened, removed her bathroom mirror and there was a hole into another apartment. That was in New York. No, I didn't hear anything about this shit. Oh my God. That TikTok was, cr- I think that's the first TikTok I ever watched. Because I was like, what? Oh my God. Oh my God. Okay, well now now with that context, I suppose, yes, I could understand. Okay, I'm following. You know, now. like, if they, if they're, it's, also, it doesn't sound like they're making these to be well made. No, 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 no. Not at all. So I feel like somebody could have just made a hole in the wall and now they're behind the medicine cabinet. They move it and now they're coming through. Well, they're there. Yeah. Huh. Wow. And she's okay. reporting it being like, dude, somebody's in my somebody's fucking apartment. Somebody's coming in through my shit. Yeah. Right. Wow. Okay. All right. Now I'm okay. Yes. So for the movie Candyman, obviously, Rose you know combined. What's annoying too, though, what? is like she was. I would assume like an older woman a little bit. Yeah, she was eighty. Oh, she was fifty-two. I almost said eighty. Oops, my bad. She was but fifty-two. Like, all right, so she's middle-aged. Like I feel like people also start writing off what people are saying at that point yes. as like, oh, well, like, you know, they're like starting to like lose it or sure. life's been difficult or, you know, whatever. And that's just like, right. that bothers me. I'm sure they heard her voice. I'm yeah. sure like they were like, oh, she sounds older or whatever. She sounds like it's a mature voice. Right. They see the location she's coming from and they're like, we'll get there, which yeah, fuck yeah, yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. So for the movie Candyman, Rose combined the real-life medicine cabinet element of McCoy's murder with the urban legend elements of a killer with a hooked hand and summoning the ghost by chanting into a mirror. Hmm. Which, I gotta tell you, even though the murder is horrible, what a combination of things. And then he was like, this'll be wild. And melded it it all together. Why is it called the Candyman? That I'm not sure. I guess because that was... He... Our original guy, Clive Barker, called him that. I wonder why. Like, I just, yeah, I, I wonder why. I don't know. Okay. Interesting. So, the new Candyman, if you guys haven't seen it, focuses on both Cabrini Green's past. They literally shot it there. Oh, okay. And the, it's post-90s transformation because it's been abandoned and then raised. Okay. And now people are like, oh, we want to build condos there. And everyone's like, no, 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 no. No. Like, I, it just, it's a mess. But, so, the new Candyman also focuses on the cyclical nature of capitalism, racial injustice, and the connection between it all. There you have it. And that's what I have on Candyman. Interesting. But I would highly recommend the movie. Not only is it incredibly scary, it really does connect all these things. Where is the, like, where can you, like, rent it? Uh, I don't know. Right, I I mean to. I I purchased it not like okay. to buy but like I purchased it to rent. Right, 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 right. Yeah, like I don't think you can stream it anywhere right now. Okay, well I bet you I could probably find it on Prime or something. Oh yeah, for, for sure. sure. Yeah, interesting. Okay, wow. It and That's it's heavy. a it's a very good movie and what I think is so interesting is Bernard Rose, the guy who made the '92 film. He was a white guy. He took this story and was like, that's a fucking wild murder and made it this horror story with kind of this racial injustice and generational trauma at the center. Yeah. And then in 2021, Nia DaCosta, who's a black woman, 
was like, we we got to keep talking about this because it's not going away. Yeah. Yeah. And it's and made it into a it's a very fucking terrifying movie. That's wild. Also very well acted. Nice. Yeah. It's all around very good movie. The visuals I feel like still stick with me. My cousin and I watched it and that movie ended and I was like, I we have to watch something funny. Yeah. Because I'm not going to be able to go to sleep. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. Very, wow, very well, good movie. That's interesting to know the background on it and everything. Yeah. And I just feel like we gotta just be so much better, gang. Yeah, we do. We haven't gotten any better. And it's fucked up. Yeah. And, you know, I hope Ruthie Mae McCoy is at rest. Yeah, me too. Because she didn't deserve that shit. Yeah, no. Okay. Well, I'm gonna not give us anything happier to talk about here, so... Oh, boy. Did, did we, we go, have? Everybody. Did we begin this and say it's going to be rough? We did, right? Yes, we did. Yep. Okay. And if not, I'll. I'll. I'm like ninety percent sure we did. If not, when I'm editing it, I'll just. I'll record something. Or gang, if you guys want to hop off now, we'll see you next week because it's not right. going to get lighter. No, it's not. So I'm talking about the yogurt shop murders. Jesus Christ. Yep. So, so these, this, these, this, these, this, there we go. So this took place in 1991. It took place in 1991 at a, an Austin yogurt shop and it's an unsolved quadruple homicide. And it took place at an, I can't believe it's yogurt shop. Boy, God, if only this didn't end in homicide, it would have been so funny. I know. I know because I can't believe it's yogurt. Ridiculous. Absurd. Who came up with that as a name for, like, a chain? Enough. Enough. So, so this occurred Friday, December 6th, 1991. The victims were four teenage girls. There was 13-year-old <sighs> Amy Ayers, um, 17-year-old Eliza Thomas, 17-year-old Jennifer Harbison, and then Jennifer's 15-year-old sister, Sarah. Oh so, Jennifer God. and... I know. Jennifer and Eliza were employees of the shop. And then Sarah and her friend Amy were in the shop to get a ride home with Jennifer when the shop was closing. So they were, like, closing up the shop, and the other two were just, like, hanging out there. At, like, 11 p.m. It was supposed to close. So shortly after midnight, Friday, December 6th, a patrolman from the Austin Police Department noticed a fire coming from the I Can't Believe It's Yogurt shop. A fire? A fire. (laughs) I just can't can't believe it's a fire. I can't believe it's a fire, and I can't believe it's yogurt. yogurt. So, uh, the, and so he he reports it to his dispatcher, right? So the fire is extinguished. The firefighters then discover four nude bodies. Each had been shot in the head, execution style, with a twenty-two caliber lead bullet. Oh my god! Sarah's hands had been bound behind her back with a pair of panties, and she had also been gagged and raped. Oh Jennifer, my god. Jennifer was not bound, but her hands were behind her back. And then Eliza had been gagged, and her hands were also tied behind her back. And all three had been severely charred and shot in the back of the head. However, unlike the others, Amy's body was found in a different part of the shop entirely. So she was not charred, but she had received second and what they're calling very early third-degree burns on, like, 25 to 30% of her body. She was found with what they're describing as a sock-like cloth around her neck. And she had been shot the same as the others. However, 
the bullet had missed her brain. So she had a second bullet, which had caused severe damage to her brain and then exited through her lateral cheek and jawline. And it is thought that the killers had stacked the four bodies on top of one another, but then Amy had pulled herself off and managed to crawl to a different part of the store. Oh and then my Sarah's... god. I know, this shit's heavy. Sarah's and Eliza's bodies were found stacked on top of each other with Jennifer's body, which is theorized to have been stacked on top of the others, but then had been disturbed when Amy crawled off. So, here we go. Let's look at the autopsy. So, autopsy results show high levels of BTU output, which suggests an accelerant that could have been used for this fire. Um, Initial investigations had produced a large number of persons of interest. Among them, a 15-year-old caught with a 22, uh, but was not established to be the murder weapon, in a nearby mall days after the murders. And then, although he initially gave promising information, after tough questioning, the detectives decided that he was trying to get himself out of the gun charge and eliminated him and three petty criminal friends that he had, like, implicated. And none of them were older than 17 years old at the time. Then... It's several years later at this point, and there's a new detective on the case. All right. There's a new kid in town. So There sure is. This detective theorizes that the four teens from 1991 were, were credible suspects, actually, after they had, like, I guess, like, let these guys go. So yeah. by that time, uh, like, by the time this new detective enters the picture, they are now in their 20s. And there's a string of interrogations that's conducted by different detectives and confessions were obtained from some of the suspects. They said that all four, so there's Robert Springsteen, Michael Scott, Maurice Pierce, and Forrest Wellborn. I know, Michael Scott. Yeah, that, that, sorry, that one got me. <laughs> I know. <coughs> right. Um, so they had participated in the murder, they're saying. But no record was kept of what was said to the men in the 1991 interrogations. Perfect. Making it impossible. So that's great. Excellent police work. Yeah. Well done. Making it impossible to know whether the detectives had supplied information to the suspects in the initial interrogations, and then such information could be used to implicate the suspects in later interrogations. So, like, kind of like planting the seeds, almost, um, if they were to reference it. So, two of the four were then sent to trial, uh, entirely due to their self-incriminating statements. The prosecution went into great detail about their, um, like, the horrific nature of the crimes against the the women but presented no hard evidence other than the confessions uh the two were convicted one being sentenced to death and the other sentenced to life imprisonment because he had been 15 at the time however the prosecution's tactic of using excerpts of each one's alleged confessions at the other's trial was ruled to have violated the confrontation clause because the co-defendant was non-testifying so then both convictions are overturned Oh, my God. Because of this confrontation clause. And the men were freed in 2009. So. This is a clusterfuck. I I know. This is so fucking messy. So then the prosecution insists that they won't be retried. And however. Well, now they can't be. Right. Because double jeopardy, right? So then. Forensic investigation showed that DNA found in one of the victims was not theirs, nor was it that of the other two implicated in their confessions. Perfect. So here we go. So the prosecution consequently abandons plans for any any type of retrial or anything. Texas courts 
later decided that those released were not entitled to compensation because they had not proven that they did not commit the crime. Okay. Thank you, Texas, that this is what we're worried about. But all right. Oh, so, my God. One of the detectives in the interrogations, Hector Polanco, has been accused of coercing false confessions in the notorious case of Christopher Ochoa and Richard Danziger. I didn't look into those because I was too caught up in all the shit show that is this. Yeah, but like, why do those names sound familiar to me? They, they sound familiar to me too, but I don't know why. I, I can't, yeah, I, I can't pull it out of the brain. In either case, both of them were released after 13 years in prison. Danziger was had or was assaulted in prison, which resulted in permanent brain damage. And seven oh jurors from the trials have stated that they would not have convicted the men had this evidence been available at the time. Oh so my God. So here's like a little bit more about just like subsequent events of this trial and everything else, because I kind of just gave like an overview here. So at the time of the murders, a known serial killer, Kenneth Allen McDuff, was in the area. He had okay. a history of multiple murders involving teenagers, but was soon ruled out. And I couldn't oh. find wh- I couldn't find why because oh, he certainly seems to fit the bill here, gang. Because why? But anyway, he's executed. He he's been executed oh. November seventeenth, nineteen ninety eight. So oh, he oh. seven years after the yogurt shop murders. So then we get some false confessions, right? The Austin police admit that over fifty people, including the serial killer McDuff on the day of his execution, had confessed to the yogurt shop murders. And then a confession in 1992 by two Mexican nationals held by Mexican authorities was soon disputed and ruled false. Then, in 2006, uh, there's the Springsteen conviction, which is overturned. So in 2006, the Texas Court of Criminal Appeals overturns Robert Springsteen's conviction on the basis of an unfair trial. And the U.S. Supreme Court refuses to reinstate the conviction in February 2007. Then, 2008, Scott and Springsteen request DNA tests. So August 20th, 2008, the defense lawyers for Scott and Springsteen request DNA testing of alternative suspects. And no matches against evidence are discovered um, at all. And then seven jurors from the trials have stated that they would have not convicted the men had this evidence been available at the time of the trial. Sure. Then, So this kid almost died. That is correct. Yes. And then the other one almost spent life in prison. So 2009. Fucking A. 2009, Scott and Springsteen are released. So uh, so it's Wednesday, June 24th, 2009. Judge Mike Lynch ruled in response to Travis County District Attorney Rosemary Lemberg's request that one of the trials be continued, that the defendants Springsteen and Scott be freed on bond pending their upcoming trials. And then at 2.50 p.m. that day, they both walked out of the Travis County Jail with their attorneys. So, um, then, October 28th, 2009, all charges were dismissed against Scott and Springsteen. Then, in 2010, we have the death of Maurice Pierce, who was one of those other guys that they had, like, sort of implicated, right? Yeah, yeah. So, December 23rd, 2010, Austin police officer Frank Wilson and his rookie partner Bradley Smith conduct a traffic stop on a vehicle driven by Maurice Pierce in the northern part of Austin, uh, like the city. After oh a brief foot pursuit, Pierce struggled with Wilson before removing a knife from his belt and stabbing Wilson in the back. Jesus! So he, sta- so he stabs the officer. Um, Wilson, who survived his injuries, also like, how, but okay. Oh my God. Um, 
subsequently pulls out his gun and shoots and kills Pierce because at that point he's been stabbed. So, yeah. Yeah, Maurice, sure. M- Maurice Pierce had been identified as one of four teenage suspects in 1991, like I said. And then he was later arrested after new interrogations took place in 98 and 99. But then charges against Pierce were eventually dismissed and then he, he was killed by this shooting. Right. I, I so have a quick question. Who was the kid with the gun? Like, who had the gun when he was younger? No, 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 no. When he Uh, was younger. Of of these four kids, I mean. Oh, um, it actually didn't say who it was. Because I'm just curious as to, like, why... I I don't know. It just seems weird to me that only these two guys get tried. One of them, they're like, you're going to die. And the other one is like, you're going to spend life, but we're going to overturn it at the last second. So hold your breath. So just kidding. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know actually who it was. Um, and then this other then guy last... stabs a cop and then gets killed. But then get this. Last year, a Texas congressman's cold case legislation passes 30 years after this incident has taken place. So December 8th, 2021, the House Judiciary Committee passes legislation from Representative Michael McCall giving the families of cold case victims the opportunity to petition the federal government to re-examine cases older than three years. So oh, now, man. so now, it can be opened again, pretty much, right? They can petition to open this again for, for investigation. So this case has left investigators at what appears to basically be a standstill. But then, recently, there was an episode of 48 Hours. <laughs> what a is correspondent, that? It's a TV show, and they like it. Oh. It's like an investigative TV show. Uh-huh. Um, correspondent Aaron Moriarty reports that there is a theory that two never identified men seen in the yogurt shop on the night of the murders may have actually been involved in the unsolved killings. So then, oh my God, um, the attorney Amber Ferrelli, who worked on both Scott and Springsteen's defense teams, she's adamant that police had it all wrong when they arrested the two of them. <laughs> and well, I guess four of them technically, because then the other two got you know implicated. And she tells 48 Hours that she believes the two unidentified customers from the yogurt shop are who the police should really be fixated on. And then while working on Scott and Springsteen's defense teams, she was tasked with sifting through old police records, including those interviews um, that detectives had conducted with customers who visited the yogurt shop the day of the murders. And they have accounted for and interviewed 52 people that were in the yogurt shop that day, but then concentrated on these four dudes. And it's unsolved. Why? I guess because they were there closest to closing, but um, she says that several of those customers mentioned the two men who were seen sitting in the yogurt shop not long before it was due to close, in addition to these, like, four dudes, I guess. So, and they say, we, uh, quote, we have no names to them, and when you look at, when you step back and you look at and you think, they've talked to 52 people and didn't miss one person from 4.30 until 11 at night, and several people talk about a guy or two guys, and they describe them in the same manner, and we right. don't know who those two guys are, and they've never called in, that raises, in my opinion, the suspicion that these are the gentlemen who did it. That's what she said, quote. Um, yeah, I would go with which that. Is, which is a fair point, you know? And um, she says the men were described as, quote, kind of leaned over the table talking to each other and kind of whispering. Like they no. didn't want anybody to hear what they were saying. So there you have that. She says that one of the men... Um, and I, I feel like it's important to include this description. I know it's been like 30 years, but, you know, it's just worth it. Anyway, she says that one of the men was described as having light, short hair, like a dirty blonde, and was said to have been about 5'6", 
in his late 20s or early 30s when it happened. And she Mm. says the other man was described as being bigger, and both were observed wearing, like, very large coats. One, she says, is thought to have had a green army fatigue kind of looking jacket, and the other is thought to have, like, a faded black jacket. And then according to Ferelli, the uh, lawyer, the men are believed to have been driving a green car that evening. So, John Jones... A former lead investigator on the case is still haunted by the unsolved yogurt shop murders, uh, even though he's since retired. And he told 48 Hours he still wonders about the unidentified customers. And he says, quote, yeah, it's kind of a question to me that this day they haven't been identified. Is it evidence that they did it? No, but that's evidence that we really need to talk to them. And I have a phone number. If you do have information about the yogurt shop murders, you can call Ooh. five. Here we go. Five, one, two, four, seven, two tips as in i have a tip for you or leave a tip for your waiter type of thing my god so there you have it that's the yogurt shop murders it's a fucking mess also what the fuck they they're how how these two dudes slipped through the cracks on this investigation if they interviewed 52 fucking people and you're telling me that a new guy comes on the case and is still like let's go after these four teenagers instead of these two guys every witness is talking about Dude, this this was a mess. These poor women. This was an incredibly I know. brutal crime. They're Jesus. poor families. I it's know. just you know, it's it's awful and uh, it's it's unsolved and it's very annoying to me. I personally am under the impression that yeah, it very much could have been those two dudes. I don't think, honestly, that these four guys had anything no. to do with it. It sounds to me like they were like largely coerced uh, during interrogation yes. and stuff. Like it sounds like it was a very messy, really like not okay interrogation um so i don't think they had anything to do with it i think they found this teenager with a gun and they were like oh we're gonna put you in a room and intimidate the fuck out of you and not take any notes or credit of it and by the way who are your friends you know right exactly meanwhile meanwhile the one guy almost dies and the one guy almost goes to prison for life and then the one guy does die because he stabbed the police officer which like and then the, the guy shot him which like yeah I, I don't know. The whole thing is just such a mess. Um, but then I wonder about that guy that stabbed the cop, like how much trauma he's living with because of him being, I for sure. I personally think, falsely accused. I want to know why they, it was a routine traffic stop, so I don't know if it was just like very weird happenstance, but like I kind right, of like, like why did they take off on why foot did they, all of a sudden? Yeah, I don't know. So the whole thing is, uh, well, I, well, I would assume he got out of his car and took off on foot and they pursued him. I guess. But, so, like, you know, I, like, I it just, the whole thing is so messy. Yeah, everything about this investigation was fucking messy. And then, and then of course, the DNA, late, and it's just like, oh, yeah, yeah. So it's just, anyway, if you have any tips, call the number I mentioned, because they, these guys theoretically are still out there. I mean, at this point, they'd be, like, in their 50s and 60s, but that doesn't, that's not okay. And that so, doesn't mean they haven't done it to somebody else. That doesn't else. mean they haven't done something terrible or to somebody else. Exactly. Because this was like a very bad crime. And then on as soon as you were like, and her sister, I was like, God, those poor parents. I know. I know. The, they the lost two daughters in one go. Yeah. One horrific go. Oh, it's my just, God. Those yeah. Poor families. So anyway, call a number if you know anything. That's why I shared it, because I think it's important. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. I know you guys won't do this, but don't give false tips. 
no don't do that that's a fucking waste of time and yeah. and cruel i think it's very cruel when people do that so don't fucking do that i think the odd fam's too. cooler I'm... than that anyway it's true. It's true. You guys are in the very cool category. Yes, because if you'll remember last episode, I categorized things into not cool. So we need a very cool category, and you right, guys are, right. in fact, in that category. Which, Congratulations. Not much is. <laughs> that's true. Also, I got to say, this everything that's happening in this episode between the police work and just the messes that are going on, they're all in the fucking not cool category. Like, what the hell are we doing here? Yeah, that's the question. Wow, so this was a, this was heavy, everyone. Yeah. I don't also, remember what I have for next week, but I hope it's lighter than this. I have to look. I don't remember. You have a doll. Oh, yeah, that's a light one. I can shit all over that doll. Big time. And I have a, a prison next week. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well. <laughs> it's a haunted place, so it's going to be a little lighter, I think. It's a haunted episode, then, because my doll's haunted, supposedly. Ah, two dark episodes, but next week it'll be haunted. So is that less dark? I don't know. But anyway. Who's to say? Who's to say, everybody? But I think uh, there's nothing worse than these kind of horrific crimes and then the horrific responses to them. Yep, that sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, stay safe. Yeah. I don't know. And, you know, until next time, stay strange.